Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black, along with Adam Abdallah, singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We're here till 10 o'clock tonight. We're open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. In 15 minutes, we will talk with Tony Andraki. From NBC Sports Chicago, he covers the Chicago Cubs. We'll talk some baseball and Cubs baseball with Tony at 8.15. And we'll talk at 8.30 with Josh Lewenberg from TSN. He's the Raptors beat reporter. We'll talk about the Eastern Conference and whether or not the Toronto Raptors may be the best team in the Eastern Conference that really no one's really talking about. And whether or not Kawhi Leonard is happy in Toronto this one season with the Raptors and whether or not he's going to stay there in this offseason when he becomes a free agent. I think you're, yeah, that question was way too long. Is Kawhi Leonard happy? And is well, Kawhi I mean, Leonard He may not be happy, happy, but is he going to stay in Toronto? Well, I mean, so you're, you're hoping for a Paul George type situation is what you're talking about. It's what they're, they're hoping They for. convince him to say, well, like, listen, it's not a, a well-kept secret that uh, NBA players love Toronto. Uh, and a lot of them enjoy going. It's like the All Star Game. Loved it up there. They enjoy the road trips to Toronto. So I could see. Let's a, say a, a, uh, the best way to describe that to someone Vegas who's North. like, "What are you guys talking?" Yeah, it's Vegas North. There's a lot of entertainment options. Yeah, in Toronto. In Toronto for the players that are there yes. for a night or two, sure. uh, as, and during a long uh, playoff series. But anyway, uh-huh. um, it'll be interesting to see what he does because he is the. I mean, he's not. He's probably one of the best names that is going to be out there. So it's going to be the summer of figuring out where Durant goes, figuring out where Kawhi goes, and whether or not Anthony Davis gets traded. Right? Yeah, I agree. That's essentially what it's going to be. So, But he's also, like you said, are they the quietest, best team that no one's talking about? Well, no one's talking about them because the 76ers are making all this noise themselves on and off the court. You've got guys like uh, Russell Westbrook not answering questions and dragging Paul George into it. You've got, I mean, the Warriors are the Warriors, and everybody's going to talk about them during the NBA playoffs. And then Giannis and the Bucks exactly, in the Eastern yeah. Conference, and a lot of people think that it's just a shoe-in that that team will get to the NBA Finals. So we'll, we'll talk some NBA with Josh Lewenberg in about uh, 30 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. So we mentioned this a little bit earlier tonight, but after Friday night's game, Russell Westbrook and Paul George, this is the way they responded to questions from the media. Russell, the first half, both teams struggled offensively as a sort of a slug of a game. Both teams got going in the second half. What happened that sort of reversed the reversed the uh, uh, the tone of this game? Next question. Yeah, Russ. The uh, the uh, fourth quarter, they you got a fifteen point lead. They catch up. What happened the last six, seven, eight minutes that reversed the momentum and let you guys uh, burst back away? Next question. So Russell Westbrook and Paul George not answering the questions, just having a little buddy uh, session up there in front of the media, Could you do me talking a favor? to each other, but not 
answering the question. Could you do me a favor? Could yeah. you play the beginning of that again? For yeah, me, go ahead. Just play the beginning. Russell, the first half, both teams struggled offensively as a sort of a slug of a game. Both teams got going in the second half. What happened that sort of reversed the Did you reversed hear that? the? Uh, you want me to tell him? Do you hear that? Yeah. yeah. Do you, Paul, Paul George is saying, do you want me to tell him? Yeah. Next question. Russell, the first half, both teams struggled offensively as a sort of a slug of a game. Both teams got going in the second half. What happened that sort of reversed the? Reverse and he's the, telling him quiet. <laughs> he's telling Paul George to be quiet, and I'm going to do the next questioning. And then, though the follow-up question, yeah. basically the team's PR person has to say next question yes. for them. Correct. It's just it's an all-around bad look for Russell Westbrook, for Paul George, who by all accounts people really like as an NBA player, people really like on and off the court, and now he's being dragged into this. And it's just a narrative from a guy that was all about the NBA, all about playing hard no matter what, all about trying to get his, to will his team by himself. He wasn't going to be the one that left to partner up with someone. I'm here for Oklahoma City. And this is the example you set? So Ethan Strauss from The Athletic reached out to Steve Kerr, Warriors head coach, and he asked him about this, and he wrote about it with The Athletic. And then on The Athletic, Ethan Strauss joined the podcast Into the Night. And he talked about this. And Ethan Sherwood Strauss is a really good NBA writer. Mm -hmm. He's got great sources. He has really good opinions. His podcast is fantastic. Uh, So Ethan Strauss on The Athletic talked about it. And he said that multiple players being jerks, it's, it's a bad look and a bad thing for the NBA. If this just becomes the way players are interfacing... Uh, with media and the fans by extension, and it spreads further, then all of a sudden it becomes a problem for the league. I think in general the league can have a few villains, right? They can have a few guys who are sort of jerks, and they can play that role. They can be the heel in, in, in wrestling for the league, but you can't you can't have dozens of them. And it seems like jerkishness uh, seems to have been spreading this season, even the players we wouldn't associate with it, where we see Anthony Davis wearing a shirt that says, that's all, folks, in his final game, theoretically, in New Orleans. So broadcasting jerkishness is bad for the league. I think that's a bad look. Ethan Strauss also talked on The Athletic about the ratings this season for the NBA being a tick down and and saying maybe it's more to do with not just LeBron not being in the playoffs. We all understand if LeBron was in the playoffs and on the Eastern uh, seaboard, then Eastern time zone, that the ratings would be up. But Ethan talks about the ratings possibly being down because of the image issue. The playoff ratings are not good. They're down. That has a lot to do you know, LeBron not being there, but the league ratings overall have not been trending in the proper direction. And you wonder if some of it is this image and it's just something that, you know, can parents, can fathers and sons, can parents in general, and their children connect to this and point at these guys and say, I like this person. I want my kid to identify with how this person is acting. The league doesn't want a bunch of LeBrons, Ethan Strauss. I remember watching LeBron show the shop and Anthony Davis is talking about seeing himself as a brand and seeing himself as a corporation and, that's how a lot of players are thinking about themselves, and it's fine, I think, for LeBron to think about himself that way. I don't think the NBA wants a bunch of players carrying themselves that way. I don't think they want dozens of people carrying themselves as though they are LeBron James. Does Twitter hurt the NBA? But I do wonder if a lot of the engagement on Twitter 
and knowing about everything these guys are doing and their personalities, I do wonder if that even matters. I think the game is what sells it. That's what does it for the NFL. I wonder if the NBA, in a way, has gotten almost distracted getting heavy into the social media, and it's not actually helping them. So that's Ethan Strauss on The Athletic, on the podcast, Into the Night, talking about the image issue with the NBA. Really good, interesting comments from Ethan Strauss. So I ask you, Adam, and if you want to join the conversation at 312-332-3776, the way Russell Westbrook is acting, the way Anthony Davis acted this season, the way players have tried to use social media to present their brand but then also using it as a platform to say, I don't need the normal media. I will do it myself. And if you say anything negative about me, I will not incorporate myself into what you guys have to do for a job. I wonder if the casual fan of the NBA, the casual sports fan, cares at all that media members are not getting their answers, their questions answered by players. And I wonder if it it really does affect the ratings. I wonder if... The fact that these guys are a bit jerkish, for lack of a better term, in some capacity, is a turnoff to some people consuming the product that the NBA is trying to put out there. No. I don't think people, I, I, I don't think the average NBA fan cares that Russell Westbrook didn't say this because I don't think the casual NBA fan knows that this happened. You know what I mean? Like if you went to an NBA game and you asked 50 people, I don't think that a majority of them would know. That this happened. Maybe if you went specifically to a Thunder game, they would know because they're in the town. They see the papers. They read the headlines. They they listen to sports radio out there. They know this is happening. It, hardcore NBA fans that are watching ESPN, that are watching these pregame shows, I think the ratings are down. Chris, because one, LeBron's not in the first round, and stars ultimately carry the first round because tonight you've got two three and O teams, two teams that are up three to nothing in the series, looking to close it out. So if I'm an NBA fan, if I'm a casual NBA fan, and I'm like, I don't need to watch Giannis every single night, you know, tonight I'm not going to watch. I'm going to go do something. Well, else. Isn't that that one star you said that you'd want to watch? But stars like, drive the ratings. I get that, but LeBron is different. LeBron is up three nothing. You watch LeBron. The average NBA fan isn't sticking around to maybe watch Giannis yet. They're not sticking. So when we get to better matchups in the second round, the ratings will probably be either the same or better as last year. Like, obviously, you're going to have a little bit of downtick because of the, the most polarizing figure in the NBA in, in the last, in this era isn't in them this year. And it's a big deal. It's like Jordan not being in the playoffs. It's a big deal that the best player or the most, not necessarily the best player, but the most important player to the league's brand isn't in the playoffs this year. I don't think Russell Westbrook uh, being mean to a reporter or saying next question or... or uh, I don't know if it's mean. He's just being disrespectful. That's He's just I mean. not answering yeah. the question. Or if it's Joel Embiid calling Jared Dudley a nobody, this stuff is fun for NBA fans that, that like the outside stuff of the league. The Joel Embiid stuff is good. The Russell Westbrook stuff is, is unprofessional. But ultimately, the problem is you don't have enough good matchups in the first round and you don't have lebron james in the first round of the playoffs that's why ratings are down if you want to join the conversation you can call us at 312-332-3776 or you can tweet at us at chris black and at adam a abdallah so mike tweeted us earlier when we were talking about the topic and he says this so the topic of athletes not answering questions i agree it's unprofessional and if it's a reasonable question then it should be answered it will make me think differently of the person in question whoever that may be it won't make me consume less, though. And I think that's kind of summed up with what you're saying. Yeah. Is like, 
it's not good. It's not a bad look. It's a bad look. It's not good for the league. But people who want to consume the NBA product are not walking away, even though we just heard Ethan Strauss say that maybe Twitter is hurting the NBA more than it's actually helping. But I do wonder if a lot of the engagement on Twitter and knowing about everything these guys are doing and their personalities, I do wonder if that even matters. I think the game is what sells it. That's what does it for the NFL. I wonder if the NBA, in a way, has gotten almost distracted getting heavy into the social media, and it's not actually helping them. Well, I would agree with what he's saying there. I do think the branding of oneself has distracted many in the league from just going out and being really good players for the team and the city that they play for, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because... Anthony Davis is way more concerned about his personal brand than the New Orleans Pelicans or whatever team he ends up with next. And I get it. I understand it. It is his business to be concerned with himself and his well-being. But at a certain point, like it, it does get a little strange that you are willing to throw all of your teammates in the franchise under the bus to try and get a trade done at the trade deadline. And you have no thought that maybe this could look bad for my image, even though you're all about the brand. I feel like it's a bit hypocritical. I wish, I w- and I know they're not listening, obviously. Anthony Davis isn't listening to, to this little radio show. He's not? No, Russell Westbrook's not listening to this little radio show. Y'all, y'all aren't LeBron. You're not LeBron. You're not. LeBron can get away with this stuff. He's LeBron. He can, he can be concerned with his personal brand. He is LeBron James. He is the most important player to the NBA. He might not be the most player, important player to his team. He might not be the most, the best player in the NBA. To the NBA, LeBron James is the most important player. Now that may change soon, uh, as, as, uh, guys come into the league and LeBron James isn't as good anymore. And you've got Zion Williamson coming in next year and he might take over. He's not going to instantly take over that role, but LeBron has always built himself as someone who is bigger than the league, as someone who is bigger than that. He's got the shop on premium cable. How many people are watching the shop on premium cable? How many people have premium cable and let alone are watching the shop on premium cable? Right. Like, like the only like what I feel like happens nowadays is, you know, we started this conversation talking about you saying how many people would be aware of Russell Westbrook doing that to the reporter in the postgame press conference. People are probably not aware of it taking place in the real time, but people are probably aware of it because it was on first take all day today. Mm-hmm. It was on get up all, all morning. It was mm-hmm. on sports center all weekend. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So like the shows that the sports consumer is yeah. consuming are we're we're dedicating time talking about it and that's why I asked the question whether or not that casual sports fan really even cares that Russell Westbrook is a bit of a jerk. You know what I'm saying like yeah. like I understand what you you're saying there is that people are probably not consuming the shop from LeBron James his show on premium cable. That makes sense, right? Because everyone's cord cutting. There's all these different ways of media well, and all this it's stuff. Premium but, cable's a thing that nobody like a lot of people don't have to begin with. But the shows people are consuming are responding to things that are taking place on said show. Yeah, but but ultimately, all this ancillary stuff, do people care about all that ancillary stuff as opposed to caring about what Russell Westbrook is going to do with the Thunder now that they're down 3-1? Well, and that that's a bigger question too, right? Like, we're worried about Russ, Russ and what he is doing, right, uh, off the court. Mm-hmm. But really, the problem is the fact that he can't win playoff series and the Thunder are going to—they're going to be stuck, yeah. right? They, like this team with Paul George and Russell Westbrook, you lose in the first round of the playoffs. Where do you go from here? Like, think about when. when here's the difference. 
Russell Westbrook doesn't want to talk to this guy from the media for some reason. He wrote some stuff a while ago, whatever. But look at the way what Kobe, how Kobe Bryant used to use the media. Yeah, Kobe Bryant was always great with the media. Would sit down before and after games, uh, hold court with them, whatever. And he would get his message across to his teammates through the media. You want to use the media that way? I respect that a lot more than a dude who just doesn't want to answer questions. Because we're all trying to do a job here. Yeah, if and, I, and then, then that's why it's disrespectful because he doesn't get that people are trying to do a job just like he is supposed to do a job on the basketball court. If you don't like it, don't play the game. You and I are here to, to critique players and analyze games and that kind of stuff. If a player is somehow driving in his car and doesn't like it and never wants to come on with us or doesn't want to talk to us or, does, or whatever, that's on them. We're doing our job. You do your job. We'll do our job. 312-332-3776 if you want to join the conversation. That's what Peter and Lombard did. What's up, Peter? What do you think about this players doing it because if that, that you have to be a true true fan to watch press conferences to me it starts with like uh, greg popovich during the middle of a game giving his little snide remarks i try and watch games with my little daughter try and not watch pj Mastinette and explain it to her and then how do i explain his little snide comment you know to a five six year old so to me it's and especially him being a head coach with when the other players see that they're going to do the same thing so i think it starts you know from the top to be honest with you that's a good call, Pierre, because we were talking about this earlier as well, Abdal. Mm-hmm. You look at what Greg Popovich does, and yeah, it may be disrespectful in that moment, but for the most part, he has a really good working relationship with all those sideline reporters, and they love Pop. Find me one guy that's one media member that doesn't like Greg Popovich. And like, that's you the difference. Is that to. there's animosity between Russell Westbrook and the, the media yeah. who cover yeah. the Oklahoma City? Thunder. It's become a bit. The thing with Popovich basically has become a bit where whoever has to go do that sideline interview knows they're not going to get anything out of him. And it's basically just then the play by play guy and the color analyst guy, they just laugh at it because you ultimately know you're not going to get anything out of him. But before the game after the game if you have an intelligent question an intelligent conversation with greg popovich he's more than willing to answer your questions he's very well spoken about uh, every issue not just nba issues but world issues in general and and culture issues within the league and outside of the league he's great to everybody every media member person likes greg popovich he feels about it the same way that Russell Westbrook kind of feels about it, where he's like, I'm trying to do my job, dude. Leave me alone. i got to coach a team. I'm trying to win a playoff game, and you're asking me stupid questions. Let me go coach my team. And I wonder if more people also agree with Michael Wilbon. I was listening to SportsCenter the other day. I was watching it, and he said this about Lillard because he's on Dame's side because he wants Dame to win because Uh. basically... He's over the Russell Westbrook act. Here's Michael Wilbon. It's funny you mentioned Westbrook because I said to Sylvie earlier, look, I have nothing but admiration for his accomplishments. But I got to tell you, Mike, I've got maybe I'm just the old guy yelling at the cloud. He drives me crazy. He's an unlikable player, in my opinion, sometimes based on the way he behaves. Tommy, I just said today on PTI. I know I'm not supposed to declare something like this on television, but I'm sick of Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I'm sick of him. He's an irritant. He's annoying. I root for Damian Lillard to kick his butt. Wow. Every night. Yeah. Michael Wilbon on Waddle and Sylvie. Ooh, so you can't get that on you can't get that on uh, PTI. He said it because I can't say this on TV. The cut that I heard was from Sports Center. I'm just PTI, I'm just saying. I'm just take saying. Uh, Brian in Hobart, Indiana. You joined the show. What's going on, Brian? Hey, what's going on, fellas? What do you think about uh, the way Russell Westbrook treats the media? Oh, oh, Westbrook's full of himself. In my opinion, he's a great player, but he's never going anywhere with OKC. Just a stat stuffer. 
But I was talking to your guys' other guy about the how the views are down. Yeah. Every, nobody wants to watch super teams. The NBA is boring now, in my opinion. No, that's that's a fair point, Brian. We appreciate the phone call here on ESPN 1000. Like, like there are people who say, well, the Warriors won the, the title, and they say that in October. They say that in November. Say in December, January, February. The, the Warriors are going to win the title. We're sitting here today. Most people probably say the Warriors are going to win the title. I personally think it's a good thing for the league to have a dynasty, mm-hmm. to have stars mm-hmm. uh, who are as popular as Steph Curry and Kevin Durant winning titles. I think that's a good thing for Absolutely. the league. Especially when LeBron James uh, seems to be doing other things with his time. So, so when you look at it overall, I think it's a good thing for the league, but I understand those who dislike it. And I like his point about Russell Westbrook not doing anything in, in, in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is going to have a very big decision to make at the end of this series because ultimately I think we all believe that, that the Trailblazers are going, mathematically it's, it says that the Trailblazers are going to move on. They're up 3-1 in the series right now, right? What do they do with, with, with this team after, after three years of first-round outs? I mean, do do? I, if you're a Bulls fan, would you want Russell Westbrook? I don't know. If you could move whatever collection of players that you could select to trade for Russell Westbrook, what would be the point? Because his teams can't get past the first round. I, I don't and know. we we think that having a star on your team gets you closer to a championship. Maybe not. He's that a star, star but yeah. where does it get you? Maybe not that star. All right, we're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors and how good uh, are they, and can they get to the NBA Finals? And is Kawhi Leonard going to stay in Toronto after the season's over? We'll talk with uh, Josh Lundberg from TSN. He's the Raptors reporter. We'll talk to him next here on ESPN 1000. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, you can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Bleck. How about the Toronto Raptors? They lose that opening game to the Magic, but they bounce back. They're now up 3-1 in the series over the Orlando Magic. They win yesterday 107-85, and they look like they're rounding into form here in the first round of the playoffs. Sometimes you, someone just got to smack you in the mouth a little bit, and then you just kind of wake up. You know, it's like that that extra shot of coffee. That's what they needed, and then now they're now they're ready, and they look like one of the best teams in the East. But I don't think anybody's anybody's really talking about it. So, so you're getting the iced coffee, and then you're asking for an extra shot of espresso. And you you got you got to get the red eye. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We now talk with Josh Lundberg from TSN. He's the Raptors reporter, and you can follow him on Twitter at jlu1050. Josh, it's Chris and Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. So when we take a look at the Raptors, is, is this the team you expected through the regular season to kind of show up in the playoffs and coming together with Kawhi Leonard and everyone ready to kind of take this team to the next level? Yeah, I think the last three games, they've looked closer to what a lot of people expected them to look like. Now it's interesting because there was a lot of questions going into the playoffs, and not just for the Raptors, but for a lot of teams, about identity. Who are they? And it, it was tough to get a real sense of that going into the playoffs for a number of reasons, but I think mostly 
the, the lineup, Nick Nurse's rotations, it, it was a revolving door for the most part this season. Most people know about Kawhi Leonard and the load management, all the rest games that he got. But, of course, Kyle Lowry missed games as well. The injury, you had the midseason trade bringing Marc Gasol in. Uh, so there were a lot of moving parts, and we didn't see them at full strength very much this year. We didn't really know who they were, but we knew who they could be based on glimpses here and there of the Raptors at their best, specifically on the defensive end. And that's where I think they can be a great team. That's certainly where they've, where they've looked like a great team over the last three games. Uh, offensively, I mean, they can score, they can shoot threes, they can move the ball, but we're at a point, as you guys know, in the NBA, this era of basketball, where there are a lot of teams that can score, but the Raptors' defensive personnel, the, the resumes that a lot of these guys have, Gasol and, and Kawhi, particularly as former Defensive Player of the Year winners, Danny Green has made an all-defensive team, and I think will have a good shot at making one again this year. Kyle Lowry routinely is among the league leaders in charges taken, and Pascal Siakam with his length and athleticism, he's becoming one of the better young defensive players in the NBA as well. So I think when they're fully locked in on that end of the floor, that's where they can really be an elite team. We only saw it here and there during the regular season, but if they can continue to, to put it together and do that as consistently as they have over the last three games where, of course, the obvious caveat is Orlando is the worst offensive team that's in the playoffs. If they can continue to do it and do it against some of the, the more elite uh, Eastern Conference teams going forward in the postseason, yeah, I mean, the Raptors are, are right there in the conversation with Philly, uh, Boston, and Milwaukee. Unless each of these teams drop the the series after being up 3-1, they're going to face the 76ers. How do you think they match up against the 76ers? I think they actually match up pretty well against the Sixers. And it would be a fun matchup if for no other reason than the firepower in those starting lineups. I mean, outside of Golden State, I'm not sure there's a better starting lineup in the NBA than Philly and Toronto. This Raptors starting lineup specifically in this series against Orlando has been fantastic. And as I mentioned, they spent so little time together during the regular season. They're only now starting to build that chemistry. But you look at that group that Philadelphia has. I mean, they don't have a ton of depth. But in the playoffs, it rarely matters. You play your best players uh, as much as possible. That's certainly what the Raptors have done. Siakam is second in the NBA right now in minutes per game. And Philadelphia is doing it as well. The, the obvious question mark there is Joel Embiid and, and what his health situation is like, and that's why if you're the Raptors, not only do you want to get this done, but you want to get it done quickly, get get out of this series with Orlando, because the last, I mean, obviously they could use the rest themselves, but the last thing that you would want if you're the Raptors is Philadelphia sitting around, resting, letting uh, Embiid uh, have some time to to heal up. Uh, But as I mentioned, the defensive personnel for the Raptors, they're built to match up with a lot of different types of teams. And I think that trade for Marc Gasol, while it's already paying dividends in the way that he's helped shut down Nikola Vucevic in this series, obviously the matchup of that series with Philadelphia would be Embiid and Gasol. And given Gasol's experience, his basketball IQ, and I think most importantly with a guy like Embiid, his physical strength, I mean, it's, not easy to stop a guy like that. You're probably not going to stop him. 
But I think Gasol has just as well the chance as anybody at slowing down Embiid and has some ha- and has had some success against him in the past with Memphis. Uh, speaking of matchups, Kawhi Leonard uh, really seemed to get in Ben Simmons' head during the season. You have to figure he would spend a lot of time on Philly's sophomore. Uh, but a lot of other fun matchups, obviously Lowry and, and probably matching up with J.J. Redick, um, Danny Green, and uh, I guess Tobias Harris and, and Pascal Siakam would be matched up. Um, Danny Green uh, is, is another option as well for the Raptors to use against Ben Simmons. So I, I think it would be a really fun matchup, a really competitive, and a couple of really well-coached teams as well. Josh Lewenberg from TSN in Toronto. He's the Raptors beat reporter. Joins us, Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Pascal Siakam's development this season, he is probably going to win the most improved player of the NBA this season. How special has it been to watch him up close and to see his development uh, for the Raptors? It's been impressive, and it's been it's been surprising without being surprising, which is the most fascinating part of it, because I expected him to take a big step forward this season. I think a lot of people did. Uh, there was a lot of buzz uh, about Pascal coming off of the summer. He had a really good summer of, of workouts at the UCLA campus in L.A., um, and he was on a lot of people's lists as a potential most improved player candidate. But I don't think anybody, including his coaches and his teammates, expected him to become this good this quickly and in so many different areas because while he's always been an energy guy, the type of player that just wears you out, can run the floor, can do a lot of different things defensively, I mean, just a year ago, and this is why, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, obviously in the conversation for most improved player as well and has had a great season and maybe is even the better player. But for me, with most improved, you look at where the guy was a year ago. And for Pascal Siakam, like not only was he not featured in the way that he is now, not only does he did he not have the type of impact that he did now, but he was a completely different player. Like he was a situational energy guy coming off the bench. Uh, really only use him in certain matchups, and, and at times he would be chased off the floor essentially because he didn't have a jump shot, he didn't give you a whole lot offensively, but not only has he become an all-around player on that end of the floor, he can make plays. So he's getting to the rim, making plays for himself, uh, his passing has really taken uh, another step this year, and then I think the jump shot has been maybe the most impressive part of his improvement because not only did he have a bad year in terms of three-point shooting last year? He was historically bad. It was one of the worst years ever for a high-volume three-point shooter, at least the, uh, the players that had taken as many threes as Pascal did last year. He shot something like 21% on uh, three attempts or so per game, whereas this year he's now above league average. He's 37%. He's become one of the better corner three-point shooters in the NBA. So I think when you talk about improvement in terms of that award, it needs to be in more than one area. And for Siakam, he's done it in so many areas that he's now essentially leapfrog Kyle Lowry in the offensive hierarchy. Nick Nurse spoke about it the other day when somebody asked if he'd become the third option. He's not only the third option. On most nights, he's the second. Or as we saw in Game 3 when Kawhi was sick, he can occasionally step in and be your number one option. You cover this team every day. You, more importantly, cover Kawhi Leonard every day. Has the city and have the Raptors done enough, in your opinion, 
to keep him around and sign him long term? Well, they've done everything they can do, and they feel confident about what they've done. And that's not to say that they're going to keep them or that they're even in a better position now than they were a few months ago. I think ultimately with Kawhi, as we know, there, there are numerous factors that could impact his decision. And there are some, quite frankly, that the Raptors don't have any con- control of. They can do everything right, but at the end of the day, if he decides that the climate is important to him, I mean... Toronto is what it is. Canada is what it is. Great country, great city, but you're not going to change the weather in the winter. It's cold. How's the the beach in Toronto? (laughs) It's nice during the summer. (laughs) And if Kawhi wants to to spend some time here during the summer, uh, I'm I'm sure he'll like it. But in the winter, as we've heard from Kawhi, he's mostly garage to garage. He's not spending a lot of time outside. If he wants to be in the warm weather... The L.A. sunshine is, is going to is gonna speak to him. If he wants to play close to home, I mean, the Raptors can't do anything about that either. Uh, but they've built trust with him, and we know that that's important because of the fallout in San Antonio. We still, to this day, don't know a whole lot about the breakup with the Spurs, but we know that it's centered around uh, the... Uh, treatment, recovery uh, of his injury, and ultimately a disagreement there on how to proceed, and some information that the Spurs revealed that he had been cleared to play that clearly Kawhi and his people were not happy with. So I think the Raptors, they paid close attention to what happened in San Antonio. They've been very careful this year to uh, not only uh, make it clear that Kawhi's health is important to them, hence all the load management gains, but they've also kept everything really close to the best. They've built that trust. He's developed a really strong relationship with the Raptors' medical staff, which I think, I mean, that's an overlooked factor in all of this uh, and something that can't really be quantified. And, then of course, the Raptors can offer him more money than anybody else as well, an extra year and an extra $50 million. And for a player in Kawhi that doesn't seem entirely confident that he can remain healthy over the course of his career, I mean, he wants to, but... He's, he's had an injury history. That extra money, that extra security could be something that's important to him. So I, I reported uh, about a month ago that the Raptors have become more and more confident that they can re-sign Kawhi as the year has gone on. Um, but from talking to people, even over the last few days, while they're hopeful and they're confident, I, I just don't think anybody knows. Kawhi is who he is. He's a closed book. His his circle of trust is really, really small. So until that decision is made on July 1st or whenever that decision ends up being made, it's going to remain a relative unknown. We can guess all we want, but nobody really knows, including Masai Ujiri and the Raptors organization. That's great information. Thanks, Josh. We appreciate it. All right, guys. All the best. That's Josh Lewenberg from TSN in Toronto. He's the Raptors beat reporter for them. Blocking Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Over the course of the next half an hour, the next 30 minutes, we will give away three pairs of tickets to see Miracle. That's right, the new musical inspired by the Chicago Cubs, the beloved 2016 World Series champions, the Chicago Cubs, at the Royal George Theater. For tickets, visit Ticketmaster.com or call 312-988-9000. Over the course of the next 30 minutes, we will give away three pairs. Keep listing. We'll let you know how you can win those tickets. Coming up next, Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. 
on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You're listening to my man's and them, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Did you just hear that, Abdallah? What? The promo for Miracle? Oh, yeah. The musical featuring the 2016 Chicago Cubs, the world champions. It's inspired by their run. Miracle the Musical, it's at the Royal George Theater. For tickets, visit Ticketmaster.com. Or, right now, be caller number 10 at 312-332-3776. You will get a pair of tickets to see Miracle the Musical. Caller 10 at 312-332-3776. Over the course of the next 20 minutes, we have two more pairs to give away tonight. Oh, two more pairs. That's a great... uh... Mother's Day present is what that is. Mother's Day is oh, coming up. I see. I see. Mother's Day is coming up, fellas. Don't forget about your moms. Uh, why would we forget about the moms? People forget about Mother's Day. It creeps up on them. How does it? It's the same time every year. No, but it's like Easter. You know, Valentine's Day happened, and there's Easter that happened, and then you got to remember. You know, you got to remember mom. So uh, you and I were on, uh, or actually, I was with Jeff Meller last week. You were in Mexico. You ditched me. Uh, Mina Kimes was on the show with us, and we were talking about quarterbacks. Russell Wilson and his new contract with the Seahawks, and then Mitch Trubisky came up in conversation. Oh, what are you doing? And Mina Kimes uh, mentioned this about Mitch Trubisky: how the Bears, if Trubisky doesn't uh, improve, they're going to have to move on. He was the limiting factor for the Bears in the postseason. If they had an above, if they had gotten above average, not elite, not excellent, not great, above average quarterback play. Uh, you know, in that final game, they would be in the Super Bowl. I absolutely believe that. Honestly, the Rams are another example. If Jared Goff had been above average in that final game, I think they could have won, uh, which shows sort of the limitations of the approach of building around the rookie quarterback, right? If he's not the right uh, rookie. We use rookie to talk about the contract. These are obviously not rookies. Uh, Trubisky needs to take another leap forward, I think. And, look, he's still young. I don't think it's we can write the book on him yet. And he's shown flashes of very good quarterback play we know he has the athleticism uh he can make the throws i think and his decision making is improved but i do believe he needs to take another leap forward this season or if i was chicago i would absolutely think about moving on so that's mina kimes from espn you can see her on uh, around the horn throughout the week and then you can also see her on the dan levitard show and she also has a podcast on the nfl with lenny as well uh and the thing that i think is fascinating about what she just said there is that you and I have been saying this for some time, is that if Trubisky doesn't prove it to us, then you can't pay that quarterback a big contract because just because he's here doesn't mean he's the right guy. He's not the right fit. Yet it seems like there are some pushback within the city because we've never had nice things. We had Jay Cutler. And and even though he was okay at he times, was, he was shiny. He, he wasn't that great franchise quarterback. No. And I think many of us, when the draft took place and Ryan Pace and the Bears made that bold move to move up and take Mitch Trubisky, we all assumed that that would happen, that Trubisky would be that guy. So we're kind of biased to begin with because we want him to be that guy. And if he's not that guy, Chris, when we come back after Sports Center, I will tell you why it is imperative that Ryan Pace does not move up in this draft. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.